Well, hey there, all you tri-freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and we mix in a little bit of Zen along the way to help you find the quality in your training. It's not just about speed, it's about enjoying life. All right, this episode we have, first off, something really cool, an interview with a 12-year-old swimmer that is so into it that I just had to pull out my microphone and record this kid and let him share with us the, um, the energy and the drive and the inspiration that he is and how much he loves swimming and the mindset, the mindset. He's got a bunch of little tricks. So many of us that are triathletes uh, have trouble with the swim, don't want to go swim, and hopefully this kid will light a fire under your butt. <laughs> He's awesome. And I actually recorded it when I was in San Diego. I'm just back from San Diego had a really great time. Didn't get in a ton of working out, but was there and a little bit of audio from San Diego, I think. It's there for work. But also, speaking of audio, I want to try something out and start telling you guys where to go find really key insights that could revolutionize your training. You can listen to hours and hours and hours and hours of podcasts, interviews, and try to find the jewels in the rough, the diamonds in the rough, and I've found two of them, and I want to tell you where they are and uh, what they are. You can either go listen to them to yourself uh, and hear it yourself, and I'll tell you how, but also I'll, I'll explain them myself on this episode so that you can apply them to training to your training immediately. One is from Dave Scott, who is Dave the Man Scott. Uh, he won six Ironman World Championships. And it's a trick on training that's really smart. And then it's good for longevity too. And then Gordo Byrne did, they replayed an interview with him that uh, was actually super insightful. And I went back and uh, did a little bit more digging up on, on uh, his stuff. And I already knew this, but he was, he's a multiple Ultraman world championship. If there's anything harder than our <laughs> it's an Ultraman. Anyway, we got that, and we have uh, an email from a listener asking for help with a uh, friend. They got struck by a car. It's uh, tragic and sad, but maybe we can get some inspiration out of this and, and help her friend out. And then in the training log, that's where I take the mic with me, we go along and I explain a whole bunch of other things. And out of the 15 different topics or so I've got right here, I uh, explain how I broke my rib while rolling on a log, um, how to use your body's own painkillers and how not to use them, and how to mix butterfly into your swim workout to uh, make you a better swimmer. Helps your posture too, by the way. And some a couple bike safety tips, why mountain biking is good for the soul, how I got into triathlon in the first place, um, a Two recordings of a train going by, one in College Station and another one um, in San Diego. The College Station, one, I'm on my, on my bike. San Diego, I'm on foot, and the train goes by. And why butterflies so rewarding. How to make your workouts better by using the GTD method, getting things done. Uh, how to use big gearing to improve your uh, workouts. A uh, quick little update on the uh, Apple AirPods and how waterproof they are and it's awesome and how they're working out and how to make bike trainer workouts go by faster. So we got all that and a whole lot more. Now, 
on the Zen and the Art of Triathlon podcast. Here we go. You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back. It's been just a tiny little while because I've been in San Diego. I had a work software conference to go to. And, oh man, I just love it out there, but also it's nice to be back home. Got right back into the groove as soon as I got home. I didn't really work out much when I was out there. I was taking it as an opportunity to take a break from training. So that was kind of nice. But at the same time, while I was out there, we've had... Whole bunch of triathlon news drop. Let's go ahead and play the uh, the new sound sound clip, so we can go ahead and uh, cover this stuff real quick. All right, we're just going to cover two of the bigger news stories this episode. We got a bunch of stuff to cover besides that, but Lifetime puts on a whole bunch of races. They've decided to drop USAT sanctioning, USA triathlon sanctioning, so that they can do their own rules. What they found is. They have people wanting to do stuff that's not allowed in USAT, and they said, well, we're going to do it without you. So the biggest thing that I noticed was you can pick which wave you want to be in, and that means that you and your spouse can actually be in the same wave. I remember they do Alcatraz, for example, and I remember that it was really cool that there was a father and his two sons were doing Alcatraz together. And if you're doing by age group, of course, you're not going to be in the same wave. Let's do the uh, list before I tell you the other things that are going on. Let's see. They do Transamerica, August 27th, Lifetime, uh, Tri-Tempe on September 17th, uh, Escape to Miami on September 24th, San Diego, October 15th, uh, Tri-South Beach, April 15th, Cap Tex, capital of Texas, Austin, Texas, uh, May 28th, and the New York City Championship, Lifetime Try, on uh, Sunday, July 1st. Oh, and the other thing that they did was they dropped all these registration fees that seem to come out of nowhere. It's a, um, what is it, it's a $125 dollar uh, fee, and then you get um, all these uh, one-day fees and and extra fees that get tagged on later. And they said we don't like doing that to our customers. So Lifetime said uh, no more surprises, quote unquote. Uh, and with signing up, and also they're doing no more surprises with penalties. If you get a drafting penalty or some kind of penalty, you have to serve it on the course almost immediately. So you don't find out later that uh, you got a drafting penalty, and then that kind of messes up your race a little bit. But the uh, I just got a message from somebody. I got a new triathlete friend. <laughs> He's sending me pictures of bikes and stuff. And the... Uh, the let's see, I did a race at Marble Falls where I got a drafting penalty and didn't know it, and I don't think it was fair. So in my mind, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't consider it. <laughs> okay, there is that, and what else we have in the news? Oh, uh, 
Trail running, the hardest trail run out there probably is the Hard Rock 100. It's up in Silverton, Colorado, and I've spent some time up there. It is brutal, brutal terrain. It's a lovely place, but uh, very, very tough. And Killian Journey just won, and it took 23, 24 hours to run 100 miles. And this guy can run 100 miles probably in 12 hours if he wanted to. And this, um, this, got four times the ascent of climbing Everest in this race course. And there's a finishing video where he comes across the finish line in an arm sling. It looks like he fell at one point and uh, dislocated his shoulder. So again, Killian Journey, Hard Rock 100. Oh, and uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Western States 100, which is the Super Bowl of 100-mile races. The, the woman that won, I don't have it on me, Cat Beard cat something and I'm following her on Instagram now and she um pretty much came out of not entirely nowhere but was is a kindergarten teacher and then won this and beat a two times Olympic trials marathoner <laughs> to win and I love stories like this because it just goes to show you that once you start going long it's not entirely about uh, your genetic gift to be super, super fast. It's more about nutrition and thinking and patience. And it just goes to show that um, I got a coworker that, that is female and she said, oh, I could never do that kind of stuff. And I said, you could be awesome at it. The fact that you're a human makes you um, incredible at endurance in the first place. And then after that, it's I said, can you run a 12-minute mile? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, the girl that won this ran like a 14-minute mile or something. So you know, it's not, it's not about the speed. It's about uh, smarts and patience. It's kind of like playing chess out there. It's really, really cool. So we have that news. And let's go ahead and get to my buddy's um, son's, my buddy's son's interview. The swimmer that is just on fire with his swimming. I'm super stoked to do this. And uh, we were uh, hanging out at his dad's house. His dad lives in San Diego, and we're good friends. Morgan, you've probably heard of. And um, just started asking little Morgan, they both have the same name, questions about his uh, swimming path so far. And his responses were just so, oh, wow, mind-blowing, and stuff that so many people need to hear. And I just wanted to share it with everybody, so I whipped out the microphone, and we put it down and had a really good conversation, and I want you guys to hear it. Here it is, M4. Welcome to the next level. All right, I am here with Morgan. Little Morgan, as I like to call him, but you like to be called? M4. M4, because you're Morgan the fourth? Yep. <laughs> so how old are you? I am 12 years old. And what sport are you into? I'm into competitive swimming. All right, man, this is going to be good. Okay, so how long ago did you start out? How long have you been doing it for? Um, I've been doing competitive swimming for like a year now. Yeah. And I started out small, and I've just grown, like, big. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. And uh, we were swimming in the, in the uh, pool across the, little, the driveway over there. 
uh, yesterday, and you showed me your strokes. Yeah. Right? And you are really, really good, man. Yeah. So I'm super stoked. 12 years old. And what we're going to talk about is some tips and tricks and stuff so that you can help others because we want more kids swimming, swimming, I should say. And then yeah. we also want, um, so this could inspire kids to start swimming. And then also, it takes parents to get kids swimming, right? So yeah. give the parents some ideas. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> There's definitely a parent, a parent definitely. component. And <laughs> this gets parents um, ideas, right? Yeah. On how to get their kids swimming and why they should, because it takes parents to get kids to yeah, the pool. Yeah, it takes a lot. Okay. Let's see. What are some things you like about swimming? Um, I like swimming because... It's not running. <laughs> That's just, very true. <laughs> I just don't like running. Okay, and so it's, it's a just, different sport besides all the running stuff. Yeah, and during the summer, it just feels good to get in the pool and just work out as hard as I can. Right. Yeah. Are you, are you sore the next day much or not? I am sore all day, every day. Oh, you sound like you're swimming hard, but do you like that, being sore? I do. You know what? I... I uh, remember yesterday you and I were doing push-ups facing each other, and I was doing that really intense stuff, like going down and then holding it, right? Yeah. A lot of people can't do that. You could do it. Yeah. And that's from the upper body strength from swimming. That was... I can't do it. That was... <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool. I, I I don't know another 12-year-old that can do that. All right. About getting in the pool, you and I were talking earlier, um, tips... So, like, when Kai started swimming my son he was like it's cold you know but you actually had some tips on what to do about uh things you think of that help you overcome the hard parts so. yeah basically what i think about like since i get in the water early in the morning so mm -hmm. it's really cold mm -hmm. i just think of like warm thoughts like you think of the opposite you said yeah i think of the opposite if it's cold you think of hot yes if it's hot i think of cold Right? And it works. Yeah, it works. It works surprisingly well. Yeah? Yeah. Let's see. You also busted out some swim equipment yesterday when you got ready to show me your strokes. So what, what were these uh, goggles, like the brand and make? Do you remember? And then you also had a swim cap that said something on it. It's all this gear, right? It was pretty cool. Yeah. So the um, goggles were Aquasphere, and I forgot the, br I forgot, like, the model. What, what were they? They're Aquasphere Cayennes. Cayennes. Those, those goggles are special. Do you know why those are special? Yeah, I know why they're super special. Why are they super special? Why are they super special and why Why did Brett tell me to stop letting you use them? Because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Because the Aquasphere goggles I use, my dad used to swim Lake Tahoe. Right, all the way across. And... Um, my pair of goggles that I swam across Lake Tahoe, they're hanging on the picture frame of me getting out of the water on the other end. And your dad ought to do that too. He needs a picture or something. He's got a rock. Yeah, they swim across Lake Tahoe. Right it's pointing at the, the mantle. The and it says 728-2012 Lake Tahoe, 21.23 miles. Yeah. That's and the official distance, even though I swam 22 and a half. Yeah. Fourteen forty two is the time. And it's painted on this cool rock that's from that area. I'm sure it's probably from the lake. Yeah, Zachary picked that rock up. Oh, Zachary picked it up. Yeah, off the beach. Yeah. That's yeah. better. One of its kind. You need to put that on a belt. Then you got a belt buckle. 
Heck yes. <laughs> you should wear that around. Anyway, you need to hang, you need to hang those goggles off of it because yep. I've done the same thing with my goggles, and it's really cool because, oh, in the picture of me getting out of the water, I'm wearing the goggles. Oh, yeah. And so actually having the goggles hanging from the picture is, is super cool. Okay, so Kai wears uh, Kaiman, which I think is funny, but you wear Kai... Cayenne. Cayennes. I don't like, I don't like the Kaimans. Oh, I like the... Yeah, but hey, Aquasphere makes good stuff. Oh, yeah, they so either way, okay, and then tell me about your swim cap. Do you, how many swim caps do you have? One. You only have one? Yeah. Did you know you can get all kinds of cool swim caps? Yeah, I just picked out yeah. the coolest one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a lime green one yeah. with a skull like skull and crossbones, and it says beware of swimmer on it. When are you going to get your NCA one with your name on it? I don't know when. I think I have to get it custom done on the website. Okay. Oh. I'll yeah. be soon. That'll a be swim really cap with soon. your own name on it is pretty legit. That would be yeah. pretty awesome. That's intimidating. When you race other swimmers, they, they look at you first, and they go, who is this guy? Right, oh, and so <laughs> I used to have goggles that were reflective. They were chrome, and I would put them on as I'm walking up to the block, and then I'd start doing crazy stretches all over the place. And they're like, <laughs> and then I would spit. I'd spit on the ground, like a like a <laughs> <alpaca>. Yeah, <laughs> and people were terrified. <laughs> so I'd already won the I'd already won the race. Yeah, the t- yeah, you win, the ra- you win the races on the block, not the, the water. Yeah, the really short races, like 50s and 25s, you win them before the race even starts <laughs> by by psyching people out, right? Okay, your favorite stroke is? My favorite stroke is breaststroke. Yeah? Yeah. Why? I just think it's like one of the more fluent strokes compared to like backstroke, freestyle, and butterfly. Mm-hmm. And you raced your dad yesterday and smoked him. Yeah. For real. Like, For real. that was not, he was yeah. not holding back. It, it looks like I'm having a, a little bit of a seizure when I'm trying to do <laughs> breaststroke. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I can't even, I can't do butterfly. I, I I don't think I've ever done backstroke, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I beat my dad at a breaststroke race in the pool yesterday. Why don't you try to beat me That's pretty style? cool. Uh, <laughs> you would crush me All right. that. When you go to the pool, what do you take with you? What do you eat? And also, what do you eat before and after? Give us an idea of, like, a swim team practice. What happens? Um, I get up early mm-hmm. if it's like a Monday. Is or it hard to get up early or you're just kind of like, yeah, no big deal? No big deal because I'm used to like school. Yeah. I just like grab breakfast, grab my drink and I'm Your drank? My drank. Grape drank. <laughs> and then I'm off and then what I bring to swim is usually my swim cap, my goggles, my fins, uh-huh. my um towel. And spare change of clothes that I usually go in. Right. And my swimsuit, of course. My so jammers. How long does practice last? An hour, hour, hour plus? and a half. Hour and a half, right? And, and these on, adult triathletes are like they don't want to go swim more than half an hour. And you're twelve and you're doing an hour and a half. Four, yeah, at least and like four days a week too. Four days a week. Yeah, and like every day I'm doing like five hundreds, two hundreds, four hundreds, just to warm up. Right. What is wrong with these people? Well, then tell Why can't about, they do this? Tell them about what happens on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, yeah. What's that? Is it on all t- butterfly days? No. <laughs> I would hate that. So basically on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do dryland workouts for 30 minutes, which gets me extra pumped for mm-hmm. that day. 
So it turns from an hour and a half to two hours Golly, of working. You're brutal, man. He's working I am. He's aggressive. He's, he's working out more than I am. <laughs> he's working out more than nudge, nudge. 90% of adults. I know. Okay. Let's see. Is what's What do you not like about swimming? Is there anything? Um, The one thing I don't like about swimming is whenever I like start off the block sometimes... When I'm about to race, my goggles will just fall off. Oh, and yeah. it's really annoying because then I have to race without goggles and these, like, necklace thing that just dangles. You know what I wish they made was really fast adjusting goggles. Like, super fast. With just a pinch, you could put them on tight. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I and not loosen yeah. them. Yeah, and then, because in a practice, you don't need for them to be that tight. Yeah. But then when you're jumping off the block, yeah, that dive you in, you, you need them down. super tight. But you yeah. only want it just for a second. Uh, for a minute, you know, for your race, and then go back to not using. They should invent that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be. Pretty race cool. mode. Do 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 do. Kind of like <laughs> when he put on uh, when Spider Man puts on his suit and it sucks onto him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they or just a Ziploc bag your over face, your head. Your face falls. What if you put a Ziploc bag over your head and then dove in and it stayed on? Wouldn't you be able to see? Oh wait, you wouldn't be able to breathe. Never mind. Yeah. Faulty plan. <laughs> now you're gonna have to put a disclaimer on. The <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm not a doctor. Don't try that. So don't, don't put a Ziploc bag over your head when you or swim. It doesn't matter how cool it sounds, right? That sounds pretty dumb, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It really does. <laughs> it really does. All right. Let's see. What have we not covered? Oh, when's your uh, first big race? You think? Um, I don't know what my first big race is actually gonna be, but mm. I'm prepping like it's the day. It's like tomorrow. Yeah. Probably it's like tomorrow. You are. You're really into this. It's motivating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's super motivating. I'm pumped after that so, workout. So yeah. I think one of the things you should you should tell Brett about is like when you first got started versus now, like how how much oh, how, yeah. How, oh, yeah. how fast you've gotten. Were you afraid when you first started out, like to go to swim practice and then now you're not? No, I was just teamed up with a bunch of little kids. Uh huh. Like younger than me. Yeah, to get you up to speed though. Yeah, but my times have changed so much. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just hard work. It made you fast. Yeah, my 50 freestyle when I first started was like a minute 20. I dropped it down to a 43. Yeah. Yeah, which is insane. It's an insane thing. Yeah, just practice. Yeah, yeah I got to practice. And now you're not the slowest kid anymore. Yeah. And now there's other kids that are Yeah, there's new you. kids. Well, I kept explaining because there's, you know, obviously hanging around the pool around that time, there's a lot of swim parents. Mm -hmm. A lot of the kids in this in the squad in uh, North Coast Aquatics They've been swimming already for six years, and mm -hmm. they're 12. Yeah. They've been swimming, swimming competitively since they Half were six. Half their lives. And I'm like, there's no way you're just going to walk in yeah. and be as fast as those kids, because right. they've been doing it for half their lives, like you said. Yeah. So he yeah. was, he was, he'd complain about not being very quick, mm -hmm. and you know the message was, just keep going, man. It's yeah. not going to last. So <laughs> parents time. out there, because we deal with this, I've dealt with this my whole life, right? Because I watched my brother swim. Yeah. Younger siblings have the advantage of watching older siblings do stuff, <laughs> and then we're smarter about it when we see how tough it was. Um, watching my brother get into swimming and all the complaining and everything, I knew what my parents were and weren't going to tolerate. Mm -hmm. And they're like, sorry, you're still going, right? And then, um, so parents, when your kids complain, going on at first... I don't want to go. It's cold. I'm the slowest one. There's a there's like a there's a pattern of everything they say. Because um, I know other parents with kids that their kids don't do anything, and they're like, I don't know how to get my kid to do anything. Well, it's up to you as a parent. You got to take your kid, and you got you got to say we're gonna do it for a year, 
or six months, something like six months, no matter what, because your kid's going to complain at yeah. first. It, it's soccer, swimming, gymnastics, running, like all that stuff. And then as they get faster, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then the complaining stops, and now it's a lifestyle. Yep, and you yeah. start having fun with it. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. are such a swimmer, man. You're like 100, 360 degrees all around. Hundred percent swimmer. Living, living the, yeah, I'm living yeah. the I'm living the dream. I have a healthy lifestyle. <laughs> I, I love really this. Dad, dad cooks healthy food. Yeah. yeah. Dry, I eat healthy I'm, meals. I'm the official swim taxi. Yeah, swim, swim taxi. taxi. I've seen license plates that say that on cars. Swim it says taxi. swim taxi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the That's the awesome. um, the program's pretty cool. The coach, um, a guy named Rob Mackle, his um, his whole program is uh, well, the entire program. Um, I can't remember the guy that's that's on top of the whole thing. Anyway, we met with him early on. But the um, uh, what they really push is like student athletes, mm-hmm. and so it's not just they're not they're not just harping on you about swimming. They're harping on you about school grades, right? Do you got to be? You're not you're not a swimmer. You're a student athlete, right? Yeah. And so the uh, the takeaway with that one is is that you got to have you got to be able to do your do your schoolwork right and get to practice. Right. You got to do those things, right? And then eventually you're going to have some success. And they, you know, they also sort of, on several occasions, they sort of beat it into the parents to be, um, to be swim parents, not coaches. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for me to stand on deck and try to critique somebody's stroke or right. try to dictate what I think the workout right. should be. I should be there to, you know, encourage encourage them to go to go to the workouts yeah. and yeah. ask them yeah. how their day was and and just let the coaches coach and 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 cheer as loud as i can and be that parent not yeah. not the parent that's on deck going hey uh <laughs> you know maybe you ought to you know do this or change it up this way there's there's no room for that right they're busy they're you know yeah and they know what they're doing yeah so at, at soccer games, they have the coaches on one side of the field and the parents on the other. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, it all used to be kind of mixed together. It, well, parents were next to the soccer team, right? And the other team was on the other side, other side of the field. Yeah, the coaches and the and the kids. But now the coaches and the kids are on one all, are all on one side of the team, and all the parent one side of the field, and all the parents sit on the other. are forced to sit on the other side of the field, so yeah. they can't get involved with the coaching. And uh, whatever you need to be on the other side of the field. I've even gone to the point of just not having, just not giving him any tips anymore, really, because I can't teach. At this point, there's nothing I know Uh that I'm going to be able to teach him. He's got access to professional swimming coaches. Like they're way better than I am. When I was showing him like some streamlining off the wall stuff, he goes, "Yeah, I know." (laughs) (laughs) And you did. You showed me. Yeah, I I don't do it, but I know. (laughs) It's hard to do it at you know lap after lap after lap. Yeah, flip turns is in in the streamline like lap lap after lap. But you were you were you're already at the point you were flip turning off of a side angle of the pool and then self correcting back straight. You know what I mean? Are you doing flip turns regularly in the water now? Yeah, I'm trying to. It's just hard because then I sometimes need to catch my breath and it's. Well, I, I have the thing, and, I, and it's really bad. I, I sort of, like, uh, uh, surface a little bit before I roll into my flip turn. So I'll come, instead of breathing off to the side, I'll come up, take a breath, and oh, then start my do that. You, do it off, you can do it, but just do it off to the side. Yeah, I, yeah. I continually do it in front. That's where I've got seconds just hanging around with lazy flip turns yeah. and, and me breathing stupid yeah. coming at the wall. Yeah. That's where all my time's at. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been an honor talking with you. Yeah, You'll it's be been on an honor next talking show. with you. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Are you Brett Blake? But, hey, 
But what are you going to do next? I saw some Minecraft out. What are you going to do? Or what are we going to play? I was going to play um, Minecraft with my friend on my PS4. Yep. Still a kid. Yep. Right. Still a kid. You can be a kid so and play video games. For and, a year. For and, a year now. Uh, f- and swim. Right? Yeah. You can be an athlete and still be a kid. I have to you fit have to, this all in. Because you're about to be 13 and... Then you're an adult. Then, you're going to join the army. Yeah, then you're off. You better, you better Bye. Start working on your resume. <laughs> Get a job. All right, thanks, buddy. Nice to see Doing you. Doing a man. handshake. All right. All right, let's take a break from the program and talk about one of our great sponsors, Amrita Bars. A M R I T A. Amrita Bars. You can get, let's see, what is the discount? I know the discount code's Zen. Get 15% off your order at amritahealthfoods.com on Amrita Bars with using the discount code ZEN. And what are Amrita Bars? Oh my gosh, they are the best. They are a longtime sponsor of Zentry because I've been using them for a long time. The owner and founder is a cyclist and he wanted to make bars that actually give you plenty of energy, are healthy, very, very healthy, and go down easily. And he nailed it. He nailed it a long time ago. This stuff is so good. They have uh, seeds instead of nuts. So if you have a nut allergy, they're wonderful for you. They have all kinds of awesome flavors. And they're um, a bit soft and chewy. So you don't get dry stuff all in the back of your throat whenever you're doing 30 miles an hour and you take a bite of one of these things. The way I eat it is I open up the end of the wrapper and uh, while I'm riding or sometimes before the ride and then I um, squeeze out like as much you know, a third of the bar maybe a quarter of the bar and take a bite and then drink it with some water and it's got cardamom in it and that's a soothing spice that's awesome for the stomach and that's just it's just amazing amazing stuff and on top of that they have really cool kit They've got some of the my favorite actually of uh, cycling jerseys out there, and they got a triathlon kit, cycling jersey, uh, socks, you know, like cycling socks, running socks. They're black with Amrita written across them, and it's really cool font and color. It's really awesome. So you can get yours by going to AmritaHealthFoods.com and looking for a place where you check out your order and typing in the code zen and you get 15% off that's huge that's huge 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 all right let's go back to the show and see what's up here we go all right super cool so the whole gist of that is swimming can be awesome if you're avoiding swimming because you don't like it look what happened with m4 he got into swimming didn't like it at first now this kid is just on fire with his with this swimming, it's very inspirational. It just goes to show once you do something long enough to kind of start getting good at it, then you start to love it. That's all you got to do is just gut it out for a little while. And then the next thing you know, it's your whole life can revolve around it and you won't know anything else. It's really cool. So thank you M4 for uh, giving us a, a little bit of audio. And he said that he wants to um, play this for his coach for, so his coach can hear about uh, how into swimming he is. And I agree. It's really, really cool stuff. All right, we have two other really good pieces of training information I want to share with you guys. Gordon Byrne was on I Am Talk. It was it used to be Iron Man Talk a long time ago. And then Iron Man told him to cease and desist. <laughs> 
But they replayed an interview that was a few years old with Gordon Byrne. Gordon Byrne is multiple Ironman, uh, well, he's an awesome Ironman, but multiple Ultraman champion. And he is one of these guys that trained smart and then turned around and started coaching people and made a business out of uh, coaching people on this stuff. And like the uh, like they say in the interview, um, it's I Am Talk episode 572. At the end of 572 is Gordo Byrne. Um, Gordo's kind of disappeared from the scene a little bit. I don't know where he's at. But Gordo is the resource on how to go long. And his stuff's all out there. You just have to do a little bit of digging and searching. And um, then you'll be able to put it together and see how it all works. And some real game changers in that interview. One that I actually tried today is he said, um, when you're going, you're doing your big training days. Mix in some nuts. And I found walnuts are actually pretty easy. So you like a walnut every half an hour. And it you slow down one and and then mix in some nuts. And it, not very much, but it gives your stomach something to do. It adds a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein to your fuel. And that actually um, is critical during training. And then he said in training... You go a little bit slower and you eat fuel. He said he actually likes to use recovery fuel during training because it's got more protein in it. And then when, uh, so you're constantly rebuilding and rebuilding and go at a little bit easier of an effort than you would think. And that's your whole mafetone going slow stuff and getting more and more aerobically fit. And then on race day, when you take out the protein and the fat and the tiny little bit of nuts that you mixed in your heart rate's actually going to be a little bit higher and you're going to be going a little bit faster and it all works much 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 better but you shouldn't use race fuel while training and you shouldn't use training fuel while racing it is really cool and he talks a lot more stuff about um, bigger gear using a bigger gear and the uh, things like that so you can go check it out again i am talk Episode 572. And let's see. Somebody sent me. Let's see if I got their name so I can thank them properly. A note that I should listen to. Jason Richmond is the guy. He said I should listen to episode 91 of triathletetraining.com. And it might still be their last episode. And I thought it was great. So there's these... Uh, the people that have already published one book and the name of the original one escapes me, they've published another book and it's got a dirty word in it, uh, harden the F up or something like that. But anyway, they've do- they're doing the um, podcast circuit for sure, big time. And they had something in that this triathlon training podcast, is the name of the podcast, episode 91, 35 minutes in. See, that's what I like doing is telling you where to go. <laughs> you know how hard it is to pause a workout that I'm doing while I'm running and, and write this stuff down? It's kind of difficult, but it's worth it. Hold on. I can take a sip of my drink. Well, they um, they were talking about the monkey mind. It's a husband and wife team. The husband's a psychologist. The wife is a multiple ex-terror world champion, pro athlete. And so working together, they're a good, a good team to tell you what's going on. But 
On many episodes, I've talked about how I get up in the morning and then I try to still my mind with a pad of paper and um, and a pen, and I just sit there and and uh, think until all the things go away, and I'm uh, and now I've got my list. The things that annoy you are the things that you can't stop thinking about; they just keep repeating. Um, write them down, and that's your to-do list for the day. And that's one of the keys to happiness. Do the things that are wasting your mental energy. You've only got so many brain cycles, and if they're taken up, if they're taken up with just repeated dumb things that you're worrying about, those are the things you should do so that you can free up your mind and be more relaxed. Well, this was the same thing that they were talking about, but uh, slightly different, and. It was another way of getting rid of those voices, and um, it's getting rid of the negative voices. Like you're not good enough, you're not fast enough, you're going to crash during this race, you're going to you're going to stutter in your meeting, um, your podcast is not going to be any good, and just the endless things like that. I said if you try to argue against that, that's your monkey mind. If you and that's a that's a very fast reacting uh, part of your brain, and if you try to argue against that, then you're you're uh, you're not going to get anywhere. It's going to keep going. It's better it's better at this than you are. <laughs> it runs on fear and emotion, and um, you arguing against it is slow acting and working on logic. And like we see in elections and stuff like that, that. That fear and short-term thinking override logical long-term planning, uh, big time. For example, and the the thing we need uh, to do is don't argue with the monkey mind when it says, uh, um, "I'm trying to think." Um, You're not going to do well in the swim. You're not going to do well in the swim. You're not going to do well in the swim during the race, uh, or um, you're probably gonna have a flat. T- you're you're gonna have a flat tire during the bike. You know, whatever negative thing keeps going. They said, don't do anything but sit there and let it keep going until it stops. It'll actually stop, and then once it's done, then your brain can actually recover from it uh, and uh, gets more. It like shrinks it and then blows it away, and then your brain can be freed up to. Uh, think about more important things. And it's kind of like how you discipline. One way to um, train a dog is by only rewarding the good behavior and ignoring the bad behavior. So you just don't argue back with the voice that's saying, uh, do these, uh, that you're not any good. And if you go, no, I am good. Well, now you've engaged, right? And you need to not engage. You need to ignore, and then eventually it will um, go away. It's actually really, really cool. So again, that's 35 minutes into episode 91 of the Triathlon Training Podcast. And they're actually doing the rounds on a whole bunch of other podcasts. But I, um, because I published this new book, but I found that uh, that, I played it for Morgan, actually older Morgan. And he was like, whoa, that is really, really cool. So I'm going to add that to my routine of when I get up in the morning and um, nice and calm. Okay, lastly, I was running in San Diego, jogging along, and there was an interview on TRS Radio, uh, the Real Starkey <laughs> podcast, and Dave Scott was on there. 
And Dave Scott, six-time Ironman champion. Uh, one little tidbit in there is the first four Ironman World Championships he won, there was no prize money. The second one, somebody felt bad for them and donated $8,000, and then he won that. And then the one after that, the prize went up to $10,000. <laughs> so he won six Ironman World Championships and won $18,000 for being the most fit guy in the world. Isn't that crazy? We are truly in the wrong sport. All right, but he's 60, 62 or something like that now, and he said that he's starting to get the atria, atria fib, fibrillation. Anyway, it's where you've done too much endurance sports and your heart, <clears throat> I'm, I'm poking my chest right now like that. Your heart flutters, and he said at one point his heart rate was 225 while he was just sitting there. And, of course, you don't just sit there. You're freaking out because it feels like probably feels like you're having a panic slash heart attack all at once. And um, what's going on is after years and years and years, decades of doing endurance sports, but it's a very particular type of thing, which I'm going to tell you in a second, um, the nerves in your, your heart valve or maybe valves is are kind of damaged a little bit and they're just erratic and they're not getting a good signal. It's kind of like static on your TV, bad signal. And you know, static's all and that's basically what your what your heart's doing. It doesn't know what to do, so it's getting bad um, information. And he said that in talking with doctors that they believe it's if you go medium and of course and harder but at least medium. Uh, if you go too hard for too long, for too many hours and hours and hours and hours, you know, and days and years on end, that you don't get the return flow back to the heart and your other muscles uh, to help it recover and repair. So let's say you're going um, hard. Well, all your energy is going out. <clears throat> And then the nutrition and carbs and energy, sugar and calories and oxygen, who knows what the critical factor is, but um, is not getting back to your heart in time to nourish it and help it recover and um, feel better and repair the, the damage. And so it's getting damaged. But if you slow down just a little bit more, then... You uh, so if you slow down a little bit more, then the return flow is actually higher, and then things can heal up. So the problem again, the problem is again, going too hard for too long, right? And medium pace for your three-hour bike ride, your five-hour bike ride, your two-hour run, going medium, heart rate in the one fifties, one sixties, for some of us, one forties, right? You, it depends on your age. So I was listening to this while I was running. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm on decade two of um, you know, 1.5, 15 years of doing triathlons uh, or more. I'd have to think about how many. But yeah, I think 1.5. Um, 15 years of triathlon training. And of course, there's a lot of medium mixed in, in there. And it made me visualize. Okay. This is the thing. Whenever I coach people in triathlon, I always try to give them a visual component so that they have something to imagine. And then that gives them like a keystone, uh, something to hold on to with their brain of how to do it right. You, you can picture how to do it right. 
And so in your mind, if you can actually picture and feel the return flow, going slow enough that the return flow is returning back to your heart, right? Then that'll slow you down and then that will get the healing components back to your heart so that you can avoid this problem. Because again, if you go slow enough, then you're fine. And then you do doses of the hard, right? You do some hills here and hills there, but then you go right back to... um, going easy again and he said in the interview that um tour de france riders have this uh the doctor said the tour de france riders have this really bad because they're going kind of medium you know and all their training and all their uh, racing for um three weeks straight which is going on right now saw Froome almost lose the jersey today which was awesome to watch while i was on my bike but since uh, i heard that interview i've been uh holding back on my easy workouts and I can actually feel the difference. I can feel, um, the return flow and guess what? Your food, your fuel digests easier, right? Which probably helps. And you just, you just slow down and just go a little bit more casually, go middle to bottom of zone two. And then on a scale of one to five, you got your zones. And then, um, you can actually go farther anyway, and then you'll actually get faster anyway because you're you're allowing recovery and healing better, which is going to help you get stronger in the first place. So actually, I think this might be one of the smartest things I've I've come across to do. And so, if uh, you want to hear it yourself again, the episode of TRS Radio podcast with Dave Scott, he mentions it in there. It's really really good. All right, let's do something here. I had had a few more tips. Oh, when I was in San Diego, I met up with two or three athletes. Uh, One um, was asking, a whole bunch of them were asking for tips on how to train better. And let me see if I, I know one of them I'm going to tell you. Oh, here they are. How to get into training. And also with my uh, new friend that's getting all on the triathlon training, he had some um, questions. Okay. So one of them is, can't leave the house because you got kids and the trick is to get a treadmill and uh, get your bike on the trainer and point them towards the middle of the house so that you can see towards the house. And when you're on those, then I I knew a girl that qualified for the Boston marathon training almost entirely on the treadmill, Uh, a woman, uh, a doctor doing that entirely on the treadmill um, because she has two little girls and single mom, by the way, two little girls and, um, did all of her training on the treadmill qualified for Boston. Okay. Uh, and what you do is you can kind of keep your eye on the house and you just got to be okay with when your kids come up to you with, uh, Hey, can you help me find my Lego that I'm missing for, to put together this one thing, or I'm missing my stuffed animal or I'm hungry. (laughs) Or I spilled my milk, right? You have to be okay with getting off the treadmill or getting off the bike. It's worth it because you haven't left the house. Your spouse, if your spouse is involved with all this, is happy because you haven't left the house. Your kids are happy because you haven't left the house. Being in the, inside the house, you're out of the sun. It's safer training um, anyway. Cause you're not going to get hit by a car while you're on your bike, hopefully, if you're indoors. And the um, it's just all around like a fantastic way to get... It's what I did. So then my friend asked... 
okay, what do I do about little fingers? He's got, this guy has two little girls, by the way. And he said, what do I do about little fingers getting into the wheel spinning on the bike trainer, the spokes? And I said, oh, actually you can get a wheel cover. It costs 70 to 80, maybe 90 bucks. You get a wheel cover, it, it um, clasps and, and bolts onto your rear, rear wheel. And then as it spins, there's no spokes anymore. And I, that's one of the reasons I leave a wheel cover on my bike that's on the trainer. And it's um, because we have two dogs with tails. And they like to come in and, and uh, sniff my knees and ankles while I'm riding. And then turn around and wag their tails. And I've heard their tails hit the wheel cover. And if that wheel cover wasn't there, then you got a tail in the spokes. But with the wheel cover on, there's nothing. It's really, really cool. And let's see. Uh, traveling is a nice time to take a break. Like, oh, I wish I could, you know, train and work out. But, um, you know, coming out here to San Diego, and I said, yeah, anytime you go someplace new, your brain is in overdrive because it's trying to figure things out. So that's okay. But for traveling, another tip is... Go to Strava or Garmin or whatever you use and look at the heat map of where people are running and biking and then cross-reference that with your hotels whenever you're looking at whatever hotel you're going to book and see which one has running routes that are common around it, popular around it. And then that is where you should actually book your hotel because it's really easy to run when you travel. You just got some running clothes and some running shoes, maybe a water bottle, and then you're good to go. That's what I did is... Um, I, I was out there a week. I swam once, but I ran three times, four times. So that was kind of cool. Um, also, when you're getting started, this is not travel related, but it's just getting started. You ought to look at getting in volume first. And <clears throat> so you want hours first. Work up your hours. Don't, don't care about speed. In fact, speed is your enemy. Just do volume first. Work up your volume until you're starting to fill your available time with uh, the volume. And then while you're working on that, you're going to have obstacles to getting in the volume. You're going to find that when you put away all of your bike stuff, all 100% away, then it takes half an hour to get all your bike stuff out to go. Uh, you're going to find that getting up in the morning in the dark, that you can't find any of your stuff to go run. Um, you're going to find that um, if you go to the pool this one time, there's nobody there. So you got uh, a lane all to yourself and it's enjoyable. But if you go at this other time, it's full of people and it's, um, you know, not fun swimming. So as you're building up the volume, and this is a tip. These are tips for my buddy that's just getting started. As you build up the volume, it's problem solving first. And this is normal. Right, so my friend just got out his bike. He hasn't ridden it in years, and of course, it's got a bent rim. The rear brake cable snapped, so he's got no rear brake. Right, just dumb stuff that um, that you think is just too much. Well, that's actually normal <laughs> when you haven't when you're first trying to start using equipment or finding the time to use equipment. All these little problems are very normal. It's not you. It's just the way things go. And but after a time. Um, you start to uh, figure things out. When I was in San Diego and I, I decided to run a different run route, the first time I ran it, I ended up under a bridge in the dark and there's homeless people with shopping carts all under there and I couldn't see where I was going and it was scary for a minute. So the next time I went running, I avoided that place, right? But I didn't stop. I just 
went a different, went around it the next time. And then by the third time, I'd figured out that there was this gate that if I left the hotel, I could get in and out of the hotel a little bit easier, right? See, it all starts getting easier and easier and easier. And then the, yeah, the third or fourth time, I was like, okay, if I leave my running stuff over here in the morning and I eat a an Amrita bar with a cup of coffee, oh, and there's free coffee down in the lobby, right? So then things started to pile up and it ended up being really, really great. Woo. And, oh man, that, that was a big, that was a big, uh, change. Okay. And then also about nutrition, um, you know, I do the ketones thing sometimes I ordered some more and I'm still not a fan of low carb. I like slow carb. Slow carb is actually, uh, where it's at and that to slow carbs down, you got fiber, Lots of fiber. You just don't want to do it too close to your workout. You want to give your food time to uh, digest a little bit. But my note here says low carb, no. Slow carb, yes. And this you can feed an apple that's got fiber in it and fructose, and that takes longer to digest than, uh, than I don't know, drinking a freaking Coke or something or drinking Gatorade. So it's all about the uh, the sugar spike. You don't want a big spike where it hits you really fast. You actually want to just slow it down. It's not that difficult. But it's good to have things to sound off in your mind. Low carb, no. Slow carb, yes. All right, let's hop on over to this email I got. I got a cyclist that was hit. And Tanya Roy is her friend and sent us this uh, kind note. Hey, Brett, this email is six years in the making. I've always wanted wanted my email to be read on your podcast, in all caps. While I should have done it years ago, just to say thank you, I'm glad I waited until now for the story I'm about to share. I started listening to you in 2011 as I trained for my first full Ironman race, Cozumel, and I have been a dedicated listener since. Uh, So many of your tips have made me a better athlete and person, two exclamation points. I am always amazed at what the body can do when I put my mind to it. I travel all over the U.S. for work, so a lot of my weekday training is in hotel pools, swimming in place with the swim bungee cords. Amazing. Yeah, you know what? I've got some of those, Tanya, and I need to... um I need to dig them out of storage or wherever I put them so that we can start using them in our own pool because they work, right? And recumbent bikes and any trail or running route I can find in the city I'm in, usually with amazing views. Your sponsor's products have gotten me to a sub-12-hour Ironman as well, Salt Stick, Yukon, Amrita, and most recently completed three Ironman events in six months, Ironman Barcelona, in October of 2016, Ironman Cozumel in November of 2016, and your own Ironman Texas, April 2017. Loved it. Yeah, that one was one of the cool years. You're lucky. Pretty cool, too. That's a lot in a row. Make sure you take a break. <laughs> All right. The But the real reason for this email has two parts. One, to apologize for not donating sooner. Um, just set up a recurring payment, uh, which my value is a, my value is about tenfold. And um, for those, well, let me finish her sentence here, or her paragraph. I'm usually listening to your podcast while I'm out training in the car. Forget when I get back to the routine of work. Keep up the great advice, double exclamation points. Okay, this is going to serve as our um, ad for reminding people that you can help support Zentry. Okay, the easy way to support Zentry, the easiest way, is on the left-hand side of the page, zentriathlon.com. All one word, zentriathlon.com. 
you go over there and there's a support and a little PayPal button and you can do a one-time donation or a recurring donation. And if you do that, I read your name on the show. Recurring is um, four bucks a month, it's like three ninety-five, and it's a dollar a week. It's my uh, is my uh, analysis of it. So uh, it takes a lot to put out a show, a lot of time, and um, it's rough, man. <laughs> I gotta admit, I've been doing it since 2004. So any kind of uh, donation is so so appreciated. So thank you again. It's on the left hand side of zentriathlon.com. Okay, but back to um, back to Tanya's email. The most importantly, to ask a favor for one of my best friends who was tragically struck by a hit and run driver while on a bike ride back in October of 2016. Lori Cove, this is L-O-R-I, Cove, C-O-V-E, is an outstanding human being, human being first and foremost, who happens to be a great athlete, and then in parentheses she wrote, although she will say she's just out there having fun. She is a real inspiration. She has a permanent smile on her face and brings joy to anyone she meets. Man, I love people like this. I always aspire to be somebody like that. Just I want people to be, uh, be like, man, he's fun and, and uh, happy. Uh, she is a six-time Ironman finisher, with her last being back-to-back Ironman events on two separate continents. Ironman Chattanooga in October 2016 uh, was so hot with, with many DNFs, Lori slowed her pace to help a fellow racer finish who was ready to give up. I've done that. I was also slowing down myself, so, <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to stick with this guy. The guy was from Australia. It was so cool. Um, the following Sunday, we raced Ironman, Ironman Barcelona, where she set a PR. Lori is the transportation coordinator for the town of Cary, North Carolina. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. And it worked hard to get, a bicy- get bicycle lanes installed throughout the town for safer cycling. Oh, man. Okay, so while we try to keep the rubber side down, sometimes it's just not up to us. One week after we returned from Barcelona, Lori was on a training ride with three other skilled cyclists when she was struck from behind by a hit-and-run driver. Oh, hit-and-run. Oh, no. Uh, She was hit so hard, he drove away with her bicycle stuck in his windshield. Um, She suffered a traumatic brain injury along with several broken bones. Doctors did not expect her to live through the night as there was no chance of her brain recovering, but Lori is a fighter and would not accept that outcome. Now, eight months and ten surgeries later, she is still fighting in this new marathon of her life. She is in skilled nursing rehab facility where her parents and facility staff take care for her of her 100% of the time. She has an outpouring of love from many friends. Hashtag pink for Lori. Uh, P-I-N-K number four L-O-R-I. Unfortunately, insurance is very limited at this point, and the services covered in this fallen have fallen on her family. Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, I've been there with my son uh, two months. At that, uh, it cost us a hundred thousand dollars a month. I think it's crazy. Um, one of our goals was to compete in Kona. While we knew we wouldn't get there on pure race finishing times, we were working towards the legacy program. I want to continue that journey, but with a with a little Lori flair and raise awareness of her along the way. I couldn't get the logistics to work out for back-to-back Ironmans this fall. Instead, I'll push myself to race Ironman Florida. Hey, I was thinking about doing Ironman Florida. Run a marathon the next weekend 
new one at home, then head back to Ironman Cozumel two weeks later to compete again. I've encouraged a coworker to do it with me to raise awareness. It's all about the journey, pushing beyond what we think we are capable of and honoring a true friend. Lori deserves to have her life back, and I am reminded of that, especially on days where I don't want to work out. I get to do this, and I should. I'm asking uh, if you would please share with your fantastic listeners. Hopefully this motivates someone to get started, push farther, further, uh, or finish helping someone along the way. The body can accomplish it. We established a GoFundMe page for Lori, and if someone is so moved to donate to her cause, that too is much appreciated by family and friends. Thanks again, Coach Brett, for your dedication to teaching, sharing, and inspiring others. You help me be a better me, exclamation point, times infinity. Sure. <laughs> oh, Tanya. Signed, Tanya Roy. Okay. I'm going to read off some addresses here. There's a gofundme.com slash Lori Cove, L-O-R-I-C-O-V-E. Okay. And then there's a caring bridge, just like it sounds, caringbridge.org slash visit slash Lori Cove. There's W R A L dot com w r a l dot com slash news slash local slash video and then here's a series of numbers sixteen thirteen sixteen eighty six and there's a couple um, here's one that's uh, one you can find a uh, link to w c oh wait w n c n so North Carolina w n Carry North. Anyway, okay, let's start over again. W N C N dot com slash twenty sixteen slash twelve slash twenty one slash. And this all has dashes in between the words. Ready? Town of Carry holds vigil for woman still recovering after she was hit on a bicycle. Wait, not a bicycle, just bicycle. After she was hit on bicycle. Okay, there's your links. Go check them out. I'm sure if you Google it, you can also find out about her. So. Yeah, um, a lot. I ride indoors during the week, and I ride outdoors on low traffic roads um, early in the mornings on the weekends, trying to avoid this nightmare that is um, traffic situations. And if you live in the southern United States, and a lot of times just in the United States in general, um, the way the community and the citizenry and the police even and the judges look at you as it's your fault for being out there as a cyclist and you're stupid and you shouldn't have been out there when it, where over in Europe it's the uh, driver's fault for not paying attention and they hit you so we fight that uphill battle all the time man that's that is not cool I don't like that but I do like what you're doing um, to help her out uh, the the self-supported Iron Man I do I've been trying to do, I've skipped the last uh, couple years, um, was to help Kai out with all his stuff. And it really does give you a, better, a purpose bigger than yourself to help all these people. So, people. so um, check it out. And thanks again, Tanya. All right, let's check what else we got going on this episode. We do have the training log coming up. I got some funny things in there, but let's... um. Let's mention another sponsor here. We got Salt Stick. Let's see. There's a special top secret website 
saltstick.com slash zentry. Go check it out. It is so cool. They made a web page on their own website just for us. It is awesome. And you, if you go there, then you um, can get 25% off your order of salt stick stuff. And check this out. Recently on Slow Twitch, somebody posted, hey, has anybody tried these um, these quick, I think they're called quick chews, and there's like a citrus flavor. And I replied back, um, man, I've tried them and they are awesome. They are so good. And then other people started replying back too. Yes, they are incredible. So you can't ever impress anybody on Slow Twitch, yet somehow Slow Twitch is impressed <laughs> with, with what Salt Stick is doing. So Salt Stick is achieving the impossible, and um, I'm so honored to be part of their system. And hey, they emailed me and said that Zentry is sending them, we are sending more of our own listeners to them than anybody else, and they're super excited, and they want to keep working with us. So let's keep it up. We're doing the right thing. 25% off with discount code Zentry. And what the way you get it to work is you go to saltstick.com slash Zentry and it goes, hey, glad you're here. What's the top secret password? Guess what the password is? It's Zentry. Isn't that cool? It's all one word, Zentry. And um, yeah, so they have a big selection of all kinds of stuff. I like the capsules that you can take and um, the capsules are actually where you can twist them open and then uh, squeeze the, um, the electrolyte out. And that's the big thing about Salt Stick is that um, they have a graph where they show theirs versus the competition. You always want graphs like that, by the way. It's really smart. And it shows that theirs most closely matches human sweat more than everybody else's. So you're putting back in exactly what you're putting out. So you've got all kinds of stuff besides just sodium and chloride. You've got potassium, uh, magnesium, just a, a good collection of all the different things. And they actually put that in theirs. So you're just replacing exactly what you're putting out. That's really, really, really cool. So I like to save money by making my own fuel. This uh, weekend, I did maltodextrin powder and some maple syrup, right? It costs like one-tenth of buying gels, and it doesn't have any sodium. It doesn't have any electrolytes in it. So I just added my own. I used salt stick. I, um, see, I did a two-hour ride, so I put two capsules in, and I opened them, and then I, uh, rolled them in my hands and it knocked out all the electrolyte powder that was in the capsule um, into my um, into my fuel bottle. So it was already mixed into my fuel. So much money saving going on there. So inexpensive. Such a smart way to do things. Okay. So that is salt stick. All right. I think next let's swing on over to the training log. We have how I cracked my rib while competing against Kai on a log rolling in a log rolling competition. <laughs> um, how to use your body's own painkillers. Um, a few things about doing butterfly. So cool. How mountain biking is good for the soul. I take you with me mountain biking briefly, and then we hear a train blow by, and this at this uh, gravel road intersection in the middle of nowhere while I'm airing up a tire. My tire was kind of low, so I hand pumped it up to the right psi, and then. Let's see, what else do we have? Um, how to make your workouts better by using GTD, getting things done. And I got some tips in there on how to do that. Uh, a few tips on using big gearing 
to um, mix up your workouts and make it more fun. A little update on my Apple AirPods and how well they're working. They're working awesomely. Get you some. And um, how to make your bike trainer workouts go by faster. So all that's in there. And then after, I've even got an extra little bit of short little clip of audio of a uh, train going by in San Diego. It's so cool. All right, let's get started with the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Funelli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a trap. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah. I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. All right, welcome to a new training log. What is it, July 3rd? Getting into Zentri Mobile Studios, leaving the pool. That's some interesting tidbits. Hey, literally a squirrel moment. There's a squirrel sitting on the curb, eating a nut. <laughs> He's just staring at me. Hey, what's up, buddy? Uh, let's see. Nice little swim. First swim, decent swim in a while. I did a week at scout camp, and we were practicing for the mile swim. Dude, you are determined to run out in front of my car. Stop it. Go the other way. All right. The uh, I think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, so every day it was a little bit earlier, 15 minutes Started at like 6 a.m. at scout camp. Took two boys with me, Kai and another kid. They did 15 minutes, starting at 6 a.m. And then that was Monday. And this is like sleeping in tents and in the heat, you know, on, on the in a cot and just like, ugh, like brutal, man. Getting up at 6 a.m. covered in dirt <laughs> and then going to the pool. And then the next day, 5.45, uh, so something about half an hour, maybe, not really. And then um, there's always logistics that mess it all up. And then, let me make sure I'm recording here. Yes, I am. And then Wednesday, 5.15, and then something... Still about 30 minutes. And then um, Thursday morning, getting up at 4.45 to get to walk down a trail with headlamps through the pine forest to get to the Boy Scout pool at, um, let's see, what time? Uh, yeah, get in the water at 5 a.m. and start your mile swim. I do not agree with the method that they're doing there. You cannot learn to swim a mile in four days by doing just a little bit more each day. That's more like a month kind of thing. But anyway, there's a lot of things with scouts that has changed over the years I don't agree with. But it's because I'm old-timer. <laughs> there was an old-timer there that actually, this is crazy, an old-timer there that met my great-grandmother uh, my great-grandmother was the house mother at the Tennessee School for the Deaf, um, which was, you know, it's an overnight school back in the 1960s. And his wife, this guy's wife, was homecoming queen, Tennessee School of the Deaf, 1963. And he said that he remembered 
my great-grandmother, he said he, she was German, and that's 100% true. My great-grandmother, even though she was born in Minnesota, she was born in one of these little German towns, and uh, my great-grandmother did not speak English until she was 16 years old. That's how German the town was. New Ulm, Minnesota, maybe some of y'all heard of it. It's a tiny little place. And then he, uh, oh, she moved to uh, Tennessee. My great-grandfather was the founder of Western psychology in the United States. He, I think he started the first psychology department in the United States, University of Tennessee. Axel Brett, which is the coolest name ever. And then he, um, he worked at UT, the real UT, University of Tennessee. And um, my great-grandmother was a house mom at the School for the Deaf. And he said he remembers her very well, that she was very strict because she was very German, <laughs> which is exactly like me. I could totally relate, and literally. And she, um, but also was very fair, and everybody, all the kids loved her because she was so awesome. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So when I was at military school, uh, the drill instructor for the company I was in, I was in Delta Company, um, the drill instructor's wife was really sweet and baked us cookies and told us to not worry about her husband. He's just a meanie, <laughs> but he loves us. <laughs> anyway, uh, Wednesday night, we had troop swim night at the pool. I'm going to talk about this at the beginning of the show. And Kai and I were doing uh, log rolling for fun. They have a competition log. It's a man-made log uh, with fins on it and uh, to kind of slow it from rolling too fast fins that stick out a couple inches maybe hard hard plastic ABS plastic ballistic plastic sticking out and when I jumped in the pool the log was so heavy I jumped kind of half on it and expected to push it out of the way and the thing I found out later probably weighs like 400 pounds 300 pounds and it did not move and I ended up uh, taking one of these um hard ridges thin things thick too it's like an inch thick and three inches long right and wide I took it right to my rib cage right to the chest uh, underneath my right pec and it broke a rib or it could have separated a rib there's not much difference it feels exactly the same except um, I think I broke th this time because I was laying on my cot the next day on my chest and then uh, as you're stretching out just kind of laying down there, I felt a crack and my whole chest like settle a little bit more as it was re-breaking or something anyway when I jumped in the pool and hit it I'm glad it was waist deep because it was blinding pain and about knocked me out about made me throw up from the pain but I'm in charge of a whole bunch of boys so I gotta um, I gotta keep going man I gotta get injured and keep going and um, this is a really good example with uh, Kai around, uh, showing him how not to quit. Uh, we've, we've been mountain biking, and you know when you first take kids biking, for example, especially mountain biking, it's constant complaining, and oh, I got dirt in my face, and oh, I got, eh, eh, that hurt, a branch hit my arm, you know, or <laughs> I fell down, I scraped my knee, and um, and then some of the injuries are, are pretty hardcore, but I've um, had to lead by example with Kai of um, 
getting hurt really bad and then just leading by example, just going, let's just keep going. So it was a couple of weeks ago, I took a wasp to my eyelid, my eyebrow, my eyelid area, and I was yelling, ow, 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 as fast as I could, just got back on the bike and kept pedaling. I took another wasp to the inside of my thigh while cycling and uh, kept going because Kai's watching. And then um, there's something else. Got whacked in the shin or I'm, I'm sure something. I was bleeding all over the place. Just keep going. And um, he's picked it up. You can tell when he gets hurt now. If he can, he goes, just keep going. <laughs> and anyway, so I got to be in charge of these kids and I took a... I took a hit to the chest, you know, and it, it, um, definitely a significant injury on impact could totally tell, but troop swim has just started. I've got eight boys depending on me to, um, for them to have their fun and I can't go, uh, God, it hurts right now. just talking and thinking about it and the way I'm leaning. I can't go, um, I can't leave the pool and go to the doctor or something like that. I just got to sit there and keep going. And especially because I've broken some ribs before. I think I've done it twice. And um, there's nothing you can really do. There's, They just kind of say, well, just be careful, you know. And um, from my experience before, I've, uh, I've run a 50-miler with uh, broken ribs. And... Because uh, I was trail running and I tripped and fell and hit my chest on a uh, root or something like that. Or my, my elbow up into my ribs. And also I've uh, taken a surfboard to the chest and it cracked my ribs. And um, there's really nothing you can do. And what I've learned is a significant change in movement. Like starting running, starting swimming. Uh, oh my God, laying down on the ground like you're sleeping. And then like sitting up, that torque you put on your torso to uh, pull your body in a C shape um, all that is extremely painful but actually after you get moving for a while let's say you're running your body it doesn't hurt after too long as bad uh, your body releases painkillers natural painkillers um, what morphine is based on I guess it's endorphins I'm not really sure at the moment uh, google it and after a couple of minutes of movement, of pain, your body numb, self-medicates and self-numbs the pain allows you to keep going. And that's where you get that saying, you know, walk it off, walk it off. You get, uh, your body releases painkillers. If you're hurt, your body releases painkillers, but you need some blood flow to get it there. And, and that's why walking off an injury actually, um, uh, you know, it feels better for a while. And then sometimes the next day you're like, oh my Jesus. That wasn't smart. But I, what was I doing? Walking it off. My freaking leg is broken. So anyway, you got to kind of watch out that you can um, self-numb yourself uh, and um, you're doing some damage. So speaking of that, that was uh, Thursday night maybe that I did the... Uh, no, Wednesday night. And then the next morning I had to do the mile swim with the boys. And boy, my first off getting up getting up out of a cot was like brutal and then walking to the uh, pool and then getting in and starting to swim as soon as I pushed off the wall I was like oh my god 
this hurts. Uh, but after a while, everything kind of stretched out and was, I was able to swim. I swam a mile and like, I think it was half an hour flat. And there was a little kid that was 12 years old that swam at the same speed I did, which was really cool. And um, his dad was super stoked because he saw that I was timing myself. Um, actually, I wasn't timing. I was just, you know, counting laps. I didn't really care how long it took me. And the, um, but I saw it was 30 minutes to finish it. And he goes, hey, did you time that? And I said, yeah, actually I did. And then he said, how long did it take? And I said, oh, about 30 minutes, like almost on the dot. And he was super stoked. But then um, besides, oh, lifting weights, I took dumbbells with me to camp, lifted weights, some bar, 25-pound uh, dumbbells. And that wasn't terrible. But then um, I didn't work out again until Sunday because we got back Sunday, Saturday afternoon and uh, Sunday I went for a run and of course jogging hurt at first, the bouncing of the rib cage and then um, mm, then I got on the bike and did uh, what did I do? Two hours on the bike indoors because it was so hot and that was, that I don't really remember being painful, so I guess that was okay. Um, but yeah, starting off running was pretty bad. Wrote, ran for over an hour, six and a half miles. 6.7, but you know, who's counting? And then, um, so then I got into the pool this morning, and I'm like, oh man. So last week, I started doing a little bit of butterfly, because I was swimming slowly. So I figured I might as well do something to entertain myself uh, while swimming slowly to swim with the boys. And so I started doing butterfly because that's slow, but it's an awesome workout. So it's like super hard. And that was before I cracked my ribs. So this morning, well, I noticed that my elbow didn't hurt much. And I was like, oh, that's awesome because, you know, I'm recovering from that broken arm and the busted up elbow, elbow joint. And I was like, oh, this will be interesting. So I, uh, this morning I did five minutes easy warm-up, five minutes butterfly. And that ended up being about 250 yards. Butterfly. Um, non-stop. And this is all non-stop. Five minutes easy, five minutes butterfly. Five minutes easy, recovery, whatever. Um, and then five minutes drag shoot. And boy, at first, the butterfly freaking hurt. Stretching out the rib cage to extend and swing the arms out wide. But then after a while, it was good. It was all good. So... I did an hour, and what I've noticed is alternating five minutes of different things, five minutes of this, five minutes of that, five minutes of this, five minutes of that kind of different, five minutes of this. So yeah, easy, butterfly, easy, drag shoot. Easy, butterfly, easy, drag shoot. Easy, butterfly, easy, drag shoot, done. So five minutes of each. That it actually went by really fast, and now I'm at uh, W to the ERK after talking to y'all, and I gotta go in. I missed a week at work. So I got to see what blew up out, bang. All right, back in the uh, Zentri Mobile Studios. It is the 4th of July, and I'm super excited because my plantar fasciitis seems to be almost healed. Healed, get it, my heels. So plantar fasciitis, uh, one of the symptoms is chronic heel pain when you first start walking, especially when you get up in the morning. And... and uh, start walking across the uh, floor and I had none of that today first time 
in two years, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, and that is on top of running almost seven miles, well, six miles yesterday, uh, two days in a row. And on top of uh, biking 42 miles uh, two days ago. Fourth of July, it's Tuesday morning. And that bike ride was on a Sunday. So I'm super, super, super excited. Let's see. Also, I have uh, some hot weather training tips for you. Um, If you weigh yourself before and after you bike, you will, uh, or do long workouts in the heat, you'll notice that you lose, lose, not lose, a significant amount of weight um, working out in the heat. So to improve yourself and keep getting stronger and stronger, you don't want to wreck yourself too much. So it's smarter actually to do significant amount of your training indoors in the, in the hotter months if um, if how depending on how bad this weight loss is here in Texas it's about as bad as you can get heat index of 112 yesterday in the middle of the afternoon <laughs> so it was 90 something plus the humidity made it 112 if you're exercising you can't you just can't sweat uh, I mean you sweat but it doesn't go anywhere it's really terrible and so last night I waited until late to go run later in the evening, and that was a whole lot better. And also um, biking indoors seems to be um, a, uh, a key. I like running outdoors. Don't like running on the treadmill. I'll, I've got a treadmill, and I'll do it if I need to. Although our treadmill's broken, and um, running. So lately, I've been running outdoors at early in the morning, first thing, and then coming inside and biking on the treadmill, biking on the treadmill, biking on the trainer to um, wrap it up. And I've noticed that biking on the tread, biking on the trainer, um, if I'm doing Strava, it's got hills in it usually, and it can get really boring if you don't do the hills. And one thing that seems to help uh, heal the feet is to uh, bike watching movies instead because you're not as inclined to, um, to uh, climb the hills. But what I noticed is I just seemed to go at constant speed. <laughs> and it was, it's like riding the flats. You know how riding the flats will wear you out? So I was, um, I was watching was it the Tour de France. I was watching something that was kind of for a couple of hours. It was a Tour de France and then something else, I think. And it wore me out. And it's because there's no rest of coasting downhill and uh, going uphill. Um, we're talking about maybe doing Ironman Florida, but probably not. We really don't have the money to do that right now. And uh, instead, I might do the Iron Baby around here. But if I was doing Ironman Florida, it's so flat that you do need to... Um, practice a consistent effort you need to practice it so it doesn't wear you out except I've heard it's such a draft fest that you're probably it's probably just like uh, sitting up and coasting uh, downhill because you're uh, following uh, people in front of you because of the draft pack so bad it's really unusual that 
Florida is not selling out this year as like like it usually does. I haven't really got to the bottom of that why, but it's almost here. It's a few months away and it's still not sold out as of this recording. And then also, I wanted to mention something about uh, bike safety. So when I was a teenager, uh, my parents, my mom's a safety nut, which is most of the reason why I'm here today. <laughs> um, but if you're a car driver, it is uh, smart, my parents told me, avoid getting out on the roads. This is in a car on Friday nights, Saturday nights, if you can. And then also Saturday, early Saturday morning and early Sunday morning is actually a time where you can get hit by a drunk driver because they're driving home. And I, I don't know how true the statistic is. It's probably regional. But you're twice as likely to get hit by a car on a bicycle than you are in a car. So it's not that bad because a car accident's pretty unlikely. Although it is like the most likely thing to, to kill, you know, the biggest age range of people. A car accident. So on a bike, you're twice as likely. And it's because um, what's so deadly about being on a bicycle is there's no protection from a car. So if you do get hit, you're going to get really screwed up. I mean, it's really, really bad. And it's kind of like uh, one of the reasons I quit riding a motorcycle is, yeah, you know, probably not going to get hit. But if you do get hit, you're toast. <laughs> and I, um, I've learned to not bike on Friday and Saturday afternoons and evenings because you can just drive around and see that there's a difference in your drivers. People driving a little bit more sloppy and probably drunk. And then, um, and also on celebration days, like 4th of July, people are drunk. And um, it really comes to front, bubbles to the top. Here in College Station, Texas, uh, Texas, as you know, is a football, American football kind of state, kind of place. And then College Station revolves around Texas A&M, and Texas A&M, revolves around football so we have football weekends we have six five i don't know whatever it is uh weekends a year where um people drive from all over so they're driving to go watch a texas a&m football game so they're drinking while they're driving and we have accidents all over the place so football game weekends um stand out all throughout the fall we got to watch out as cyclists and not get hit, and as drivers, I'm gonna have a lot of talks with Kai about that. Uh, just how it's just don't do it, and the uh, it's just safer not to. So it's this is Fourth of July, and I'm um, I want to go bike, and I want to bike early before it gets hot. I'm tired of riding on the trainer, so I'm gonna go mountain bike. Isn't that cool? And man, um, my life has changed here lately. A big shift in mindset. 
um, with the discovery of the implementation of a mountain bike park um, within 12 minutes of my house, I think. That's what we're driving to right now. And the happiest time in my life uh, was living in San Diego and going mountain biking in the morning and um, no, surfing in the morning and then going to work and then mountain biking in the afternoon. I didn't need to belong to a gym. I didn't need to watch what I ate so much. Uh, I was just happy, happy, happy. And my life was full. Um, I did not like my job after a while because it was way too high stress. And uh, But as far as satisfaction and fueling and happiness, fueling of the busyness, happiness. I mean, it was just awesome. Okay, we're driving down the gravel road. There's your cattle guard. We're here in the mountain bike park. It's a little rumbly. And, uh, I grew up in Boy Scouts and backpacking and hiking. I also grew up the young, my youngest years, my formative years, uh, in and around the Appalachian Mountains, uh, northern Alabama, east Tennessee, uh, can, uh, Cincinnati, which is on the border of Kentucky. So just beautiful rolling hills. Is that a roadrunner? No, that's something else. And, and mountains. And when I, when I got to Houston, northeast Houston, it's beautiful pine forest, but there's no, there's no ruggedness. And it really bothered me. So in Boy Scouts, as I got older, we'd go backpacking in the Rocky Mountains and the San Juan Mountains in northern New Mexico and, and um, go out to the hill country in, in uh, uh, west of Austin. It's more, um, really wouldn't call it West Texas. Texans don't call it West Texas. You might. But uh, just, you know, rugged, rugged country. And I was like, man, this is, I couldn't wait to move away from the part of Texas we were living in in college, Texas A&M, and then um, and go somewhere beautiful. And then we got to San Diego, my first real big job off after uh, college. And so it was just wonderful. You got all these mountains, you got the ocean. Oh, surfing is just the best. It's so insane. And you're in the middle of the wildlife. I just could not go, could not stop surfing. It's incredible. You're riding energy waves. <laughs> from storms thousands of miles away. I mean, it is really um, out of this world. So I moved back to College Station and uh, because of a job crisis, got laid off, needed to find a job, and it was right after, I mean, I got laid off and then the next week, I think, was the 9-11 tower airplane attack and the... um, no jobs. It was a tech crash also at the same time. There was nothing. So the only place I could get a decent job was back uh, here in Texas in College Station. And I needed to rebuild. Um, we had to sell our house and everything um, and in California. And, um, and I needed to get a job quickly because Emily was in private nursing school. And it's expensive. And 
uh, to, to keep paying for her, for her dream to come true because she paused, she put her career on pause while I was getting my master's degree so that, uh, cause I was like a year ahead of her in school or two years ahead of her. And, um, uh, so I owed her that. And so we went back to college station and college station is prairie and nothing. <laughs> And I started driving. I learned that you could surf in Texas. And I started driving to the, um, to the coast to uh, surf. And there, there's uh, some mountain biking here in Texas. But at that time, it's, it uh, was not that great. And still not all that great. But it's... Um, It's, oh, in College Station, it's all far away. Uh, it's not right out your front door. And in San Diego, mountain biking was right out my back door. And easily, I could go mountain biking pretty easily. And then surfing was, you know, a 20, 30-minute trip. But um, still, you know, you combine those two, and it's just incredible. And the, um, turn the AC down here. So here in College Station, got into... Um, driving to the coast and surfing, although it's a two hour drive to go surf and I could only go surf every once in a while, once every couple of weeks and it's weather dependent. So you don't know what you're going to get until you get there. And some days it sucks and whatever. So the gap between surfing was, um, and you can totally surf in Texas. Like it's actually, some days are pretty great, but the, uh, the gap in days that I could go surf was so big that I couldn't stay in shape. I couldn't stay in surfing shape, you know, the upper body work. So I started going to the health club, the same pool that I swim in all the time now and started swimming so that when I started, so when I surf, my arms wouldn't um, blow out on me. And then I was, uh, surfing or swimming one time at Aerofit, this health club. And they said, uh, Hey, uh, do you want to join the triathlon team? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that crazy thing in Hawaii. They go, Oh no, there's shorter triathlons and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, maybe. And, um, I said, when's, when's the swimming part? And they said five 30 tomorrow morning, there's a practice. And I go, hell no, because I swam 5 30 in the morning in high school and I was burned out on that. And I don't ever want to do that ever again funny to say. And, um, they said, well, you know, think about it. And then I don't know what happened, but somehow I think it was my ego. This is where the ego actually works out for you. I wanted to show off my swimming because I was a good swimmer and I wanted to be with people that I could swim and they could appreciate it. And, uh, we could all swim together and I could be a good swimmer like them, uh, you know, uh, up my, um, up my group of friends and be with some swimmers again, I guess. I don't know. It was weird. I just showed up at the pool. Somehow, like a tractor beam pulled me in. And they said, oh, my gosh, man, you can really swim. You got to do triathlons. And I'm like, oh, whatever. And then uh, my first ever bike ride with everybody was on my old um, high school bike that was probably 10, 15 years old by then and um, had a bent frame. <laughs> and I... Uh, I think it was a 50 or 70 mile bike ride and it snowed on us here, here in Texas, uh, that ride. And, um, I loved it. It was at, I bonked and, uh, oh, it was so great. 
But I, um, I got into doing triathlon is my point is because, because triathlon, uh, there's lots of great road cycling around here and the, uh, you know, swimming pool was easily accessible, the, the road biking and then the running, you just go out and run, um, pretty much anywhere in the world. And the next thing I know, I'm in a whole new sport because the, uh, other sports, um, you know, were unavailable the surfing and the whatever it's just too much work and the end result was um, pretty fulfilled you know and I keep trying to push and push and push and go bigger distances to find that edge of self-fulfillment and that leads me to my point of this whole rambling is just you know a year ago or more but I started figuring out that this park is this mountain bike park that's opened up is 10 minutes from my house. And I've started coming here. Um, it's just amazing how one little change can like really change your satisfaction in life and how we hang on by a thread. Like if they close this park down, you know, which they could easily do as the town grows and development just swallows it up. But, um, the option, see, happiness in life is having some options, some options, and the fulfillment of being in the woods and um, doing something that's different and the convenience that it's really nearby. You start putting those factors together, and then you have your perfect storm of something that's really convenient. So I've, I've been feeling lately really fulfilled because I can go mountain biking and I th maybe in life, you know, we have like, say it's like a pegboard or one of these boards with all the different shapes cut out. And the more there's different shapes you can fill, the, um, the happier you can be. And, uh, there's a mountain bike shape hole. <laughs> it's not really that because it's not really the mountain biking, but it's the, the exertion, uh, the fulfillment, the outdoorsiness, the randomness, you know, of mountain biking, the challenge, um, the fun, the fact that it's different than the other stuff where lately I've just been feeling like, man, this is nice, really, really nice. And you, you can tell because, or I can tell because like, I'm not thinking of going somewhere else. I'm totally happy right here. And I wonder if this is my buddy. It's my buddy, Chris. So we're going to go mountain biking. All right. Out being. I'll cover more of this later. All right, dudes. <laughs> I am. I just raced my bike to beat a train across a railroad track. I beat it by a better margin than I was worried about. <laughs> but College Station is named after the train station that used to drop people off at college at Texas A&M. And this is the rail line. So if you went to A&M, you used to get here by train. When I first went here in 91, 92, I picked up my girlfriend from Dallas. She rode the train down on the same rail line back in the old days. But I thought I would record the sound of the train coming while I, um, I think my rear mountain bike tire needs a little bit of air. So I'm going to test out the pump here for a second. Yeah. Sounds like it works. And then, uh, did the train stop? 
so then while the train comes, we can hear it go by. Oh, I see the train headlight lighting up the railroad track. Yeah, here it comes. So I used to cross the railroad tracks to go surfing, and you could tell the train was coming around the bend. It was a tight bend by the rails zinging. They go zing, 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 and that meant you got about 10 seconds to get off the track, and you're holding a surfboard. Here's the uh, lights. And uh, so many diesel engines it's got. Oh, it's loaded down, it's heavy. One, only two, uh, three engines. Man, this one's moving slow. All right, I need to put some air in my tires. I'll be back in a minute. This is cool. All right, leaving the pool. It's now Wednesday. I like to swim every other day. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, I'm really excited. I managed to squeeze in some more butterfly with it only hurting once and feeling kind of weird in my elbow joint once. So it hurt once in my forearm and felt weird and uh, maybe a little bit of bone on bone <laughs> or cartilage -y or scar tissue-y in my left elbow once. But uh, the interesting thing about butterfly is it's so rewarding. It's um, bang for your buck it stresses the body without going uh, super aerobic, you know, without high RPM. It's not high cadence, it's low cadence. And uh, just the torque you have to lay down to do it uh, stimulates a lot of uh, testosterone, endorphins, um, gets you pumped up. And in just a few minutes, you can really work yourself. And then you swim easy freestyle for a while and then mix in some fly. And then for the, for at least most of the rest of the day, you feel up. You feel like you've done, you've accomplished something, you know. And that's one of the keys to happiness is accomplishment. And to accomplish, you have to, um, you have to challenge yourself. And what I really like is when you figure out how to engineer your workouts so you don't have to think very much, but they are challenging and they're low stress. So when I went to the pool this morning, uh, kind of like the other morning, I was going to do uh, easy, five minutes easy, right? So that's low stress. Just get in and so five minutes easy. What's the problem, right? Compared to if I want to do an hour um, continuous, I, in my head, I start judging, you know, how am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? It's stressful. But if I get in and start swimming easy right from the beginning, I'm like, all right, this is this is uh, no stress, no judging, no um, anything, and it's brainless. And, but it doesn't bother you that it's brainless because um, you are going to have challenging coming up. 
And then when you start mixing in butterfly, you don't have to think either. You just have to try to do butterfly and just don't think about it because just doing butterfly on its own is, uh, and it could be whatever stroke for you is, is, uh, difficult. It doesn't have to be butterfly, but, um, but for most of us, it's butterfly. <laughs> I was about to try to think of an equivalent. I'm like, nah, it's pretty much butterfly. Maybe a racing backstroke, competition backstroke. And because there's elementary backstroke too. But um, the difficulty is built in. So you really don't have to think all that much. And it's the equivalent of, let's say I go out and ride my bike or run and it's dead flat, right? Well, then I have to start thinking about, okay, um, I have to run faster. Well, how every once in a while, if I want to improve, well, how often do I do that? Do I run faster for how many minutes? And like, do I do it over here? Do I do it over there? What do I need to do? And how fast is fast? And then it's that high high RPM, which is stressful on the nervous system. Um, where instead you could uh, bike or run some hills, or bike a big gear. You just put it in a big gear and go. And let's do the um, well. Let's do bike first. If you bike, you put it in a big gear. It creates stress. It creates a torque stress. Not a, it's a lower RPM, so you don't have to think fast. You, you actually think slow. Like, bird, bird, bird. Um, and you're just plodding along. But you are stressing, you're overstressing your legs, which will end up improving you, end up strengthening you. But it's dumb. It's just a, a dumb as in like a dumb phone versus a smartphone. It's just thoughtless. Because you only have so much thinking power throughout the day, as they say. So you uh, do the same thing running, right? You can do all these things on the track and and run faster, faster, faster. Or, which is helpful for sure. Um, Or you can run some hills and do so many minutes up. Or you got a favorite hill or two you like to go do. And then you can tell because the rest of the day and the next day you're kind of sore, but your legs are pumped up and you're like super excited. And what's super cool is on the bike, if you want to do high RPM and uh, you're on the flats, you just throw a switch and uh, you can put it in a uh, smaller gear in the front, small chain ring. And you've limited yourself and the <laughs> to go any faster, you have to pedal like faster, a higher RPM. And then that's brainless. And it's actually uh, really, really helpful. I was listening to some talks by Gordo Byrne. I think I'm going to talk about him more in future episodes. Or maybe earlier in this episode. Gordo Byrne, who is the guru god of long distance training. Because he's both um, good at it. Was good at it. He quit. Was good at it. But also coached at it. And coached from an analytical, scientific point of view. And he said, uh, you do phases in training, you just put it in a big gear. And you got no choice. It's in a big gear. And then that torques your legs and makes you stronger. And you do that for a while till you tell, till you can tell that that's no longer uh, useful. And then you switch it back to a small gear. And then the small gear switches it to um, high RPM, high cadence. Because you need variety, you need a little bit of both.
because on race day you are going to be going probably a higher cadence at times but also you're going to need to put out more power at times which uh, you get from the bigger gear so I've noticed that um, going to the pool the past uh, couple swims um, doing starting off with the five minutes easy and then putting on oh the other one's the drag shoot right so swimming just throw on the drag shoot it implements the hard work you don't have to think actually I'm a I'm a super uh, fan of this now I think I'm gonna start calling it dumb training <laughs> it's kind of like a, a to-do list right don't try to keep everything in your head um, have a have a way to write things down it's the GTD get thing getting things done method is have something nearby to write down the tasks with you at all times and then you don't have to think so much and you can just do the stuff on your list and uh, it relieves stress and then you can go through life in kind of a zen state uh, what's his name I can't believe I can't remember his name I'm a big fan of his um, it's because I'm trying to record at the same time too much thinking that's a good example of all this uh, you've only got so much processor speed your brain is actually a lot like a computer you've got temporary memory long-term memory so that's your RAM versus your hard drive and um, and then you've got a processor and you can only do so much at once I hope by talking about it I would actually remember his name but anyway the guy that came up with GTD uh, David Allen said that uh, well he came from a background of martial arts and Zen and Zen flow and so when he realized the system of writing things down and then having a having a, uh, a habit of going and checking the places where he wrote things down have like two or three or four inboxes and then on occasion going and checking your inboxes and kind of sorting and doing the appropriate things that you achieve the state of Zen flow um, and you're able to enjoy what you're doing and enjoy you're able to enjoy the benefits of what you're doing because you're not having to think so hard you're able to do and Um, those of us that do uh, training on a bike trainer or maybe a treadmill where you can plug in a workout and it just does the workout for you and you just do it and then you can watch a movie uh, while it's training you and then you're not thinking so hard it's pretty cool alright I think we're getting close to wrapping up this show I gotta go to San Diego soon I gotta start making a list of things to pack what should I bring what should I bring after not running at uh, scout camp for six days, I think it was, although it was a lot of hiking, that, that definitely improved my feet. I'm debating about um, not running while uh, while in San Diego, maybe biking some. And uh, I need to, that reminds me, I need to check the hotel. Reminder, note to self, check the hotel to see if it's got a, a treadmill. I hate running on hotel treadmills because there's not enough airflow and I just start burning up. All right, that's it. Bang. All right, we are back. Driving. Centri Mobile Studios. I'm recording on the Apple, just regular headphones, not the uh, wireless ones. Um... Apple AirPods or whatever. 
is not what I'm recording on. But I wanted to give an update, long-term usage on the Apple AirPods. I guess I've had them for a couple of months, maybe three months. I can't remember when I started wearing those things. Um, total game changer. Those things are so sweat-proof. It's unbelievable. Hold on, taking a sip of coffee. I'll pull the mic away. Oh, wrong side of the coffee. <laughs> what am I doing? Oh, there it goes. Hold on. Don't want to subject y'all to slurping sounds. Um, got a little MCT oil in my coffee. Just a little bit. Turns on the ketones. And let's see. Those, the only downside of the AirPods is, well, I guess they don't have volume controls and on them and forward controls on them. But you just grab your phone, kind of like an old style Walkman. And uh, just do it like that, which kind of like is retro, which is kind of cool. It's not that big of a deal, but the um, the sweatproofness is so awesome. Uh, no worries, no problems. They just work. And then I got these uh, aftermarket for ten bucks. These little silicone ear covers that these jackets that go over the buds themselves. And then that makes them a little bit grippy. And then they stay in your ears. And it's super, super cool, man. I use them all the time. Uh, the Bluetooth connection is fantastic. Uh, so I'm running and I hardly ever, ever get dropouts uh, running with them. You know, a lot of people, when you're running outdoors with Bluetooth headphones, the, the connectivity's uh, quality is pretty bad. And then I saw... So anyway... I, I highly recommend them. Highly recommend them. The only thing is if you go on more than a three-hour bike ride, uh, you might, um, you know, run out of battery. But then you could just listen to one anyway when you're on a bike ride, keep the other one in the little charger, and then pop the other one in when the first one goes out. And then uh, and you got six hours, and while you're listening to the other one, the other one's in the charger, pop that one back in, then you got nine hours, and then you go back and reverse. And so, actually, I'm starting to think now. I just realized self, realized self, um, not a bad option for uh, ultra trail running. If you just listen to, if you can stand, just listening to one side at a time while trail running instead of both. Or I guess you can get two pair. I don't know. But anyway, I'm really digging them. And Apple is coming out with a uh, new iPhone, uh, the iPhone 8. And it looks like they're going to go after the past, the 6, I guess, and the 7, the last two editions of um, phones that are too big for a normal human to use. You know, it look like you got an iPad stuck to the side of your head when you talk on the thing. They're going back to, uh, they're going to release three models, and one of the models is back to the the spot the size of the smaller one which i love because when i bike and run um i don't want a giant phone i saw a girl running the other day and she took out a suitcase while she was running a briefcase and was all folding it weird and doing stuff and trying to strap it to her arm and then i go oh no that's a uh, that's a phone <laughs> we look stupid when we wear these giant phones on our bodies we don't need it we just need a little phone and see that's really cool all right so last little bit I was talking about 
um, how to make your workouts dumb, the getting things done method, GTD method, uh, so you don't have to think too much. And I applied it on the bike last night, so I thought I would tell you how. Uh, one trick is to get in your training is to promise yourself to not um, to not watch TV unless or, or your favorite program unless you're on the treadmill or on the bike trainer. And so last night, all day, I I uh, stayed away from the Tour de France news so that when I watched it last night, uh, it would be new and be exciting. So I got on the trainer and was biking along and to avoid, um, even though the TV is entertaining, uh, to avoid just going at a constant speed and wearing myself out, uh, to mix in some variability in the workout, um, what I did was every five minutes do a minute uh, in a in a big gear, so lower RPM, like um, and harder, so like uh, you know, like 68 to 72 RPM. Around okay, well that'd be around 70, around 70 RPM. Coffee sip. Hold on, driving to W2DRK. Got to get my caffeine on. Um, because what I learned from the swimming is five minutes easy, five minutes hard. Five minutes easy, five minutes a different kind of hard, you know, drag shoot versus butterfly. Five minutes easy, five minutes hard. Five minutes easy, five minutes different kind of hard. Well, because you're mixing biking with running, so it's all lower body and stuff, I'm like, man, I don't want to do that much hard work. Um, I did, you know, one minute hard out of every five minutes. So every time I hit the five minute mark, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, the uh, the next minute I would do in a big gear. I'd put in the big chain ring and, and uh, put in a big gear. And don't think about it because the big gear does all the work for you. Just look at your cadence and, uh, you know, is it around 70? Are you pushing kind of hard? And that's it. And then when the minute's up, work right easy, sitting up and, uh, and recover for a while. And then that was a nice spacing, you know? By the time the next five minute mark came around, I was kind of itching to do something to mix it, you know, to go hard. And by the time a minute of hard was up, I was kind of like going, ooh, that's enough of that. And I uh, was watching the tour the entire time. And today, last night, uh, what I was watching was stage five, which had a 20% grade uphill finish. <laughs> Oh, and some scrawny Italian little, it looked like a, looked like a refugee child from Syria, uh, won the thing, and uh, Kai and Emily, Emily was like, look at his arms, like he doesn't have any arms, and um, yeah, the uh, the weight and eating disorderness is strong in cycling to get that skinny. Hopefully they're just, you know, picking people that are naturally that skinny, but um, getting that light looks uh, pretty dangerous. But anyway, that's uh, uh, the news that's fit to print. How to do a um, autopilot workout that keeps you busy on the bike that makes the time go by for an hour on the trainer. Easy, hard, easy, hard. All right, I got to go out
All right, that is the end of the training log. <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap up the show with uh, some mentions of donors and got a little sponsor in here that we should mention. You can. We've got uh, You Can is the super starch to give you a slow release of starch over long distances. It is spelled U C A N. It's a super starch. It's actually pretty cool stuff. I use it for swims mostly. And it's occasional, kind of kind of just a slow acting starch. It's pretty cool. You can get a discount of 15% off if you go to their website and use the discount code Zentry, all one word. Very cool. Again, you can super starch. Not no carb, not low carb, slow carb. Slow them carbs down. Makes you uh, makes you feel better. You don't have to do like no sugar. Just slow the sugar down. Okay. And also, Sunto has no discount codes. <laughs> They're just awesome. I've got the Sunto uh, Sport Wrist, um, which is the one that has the uh, heart rate detector on the back with the green lasers. I posted on Instagram one time. It is super, super, super cool. And honestly, it's like the Rolex of of um, of workout watches. Why was I stuttering for that? That's not that hard. It's the Rolex, man. When I have a choice, I do have a Garmin. I have a Garmin 920, which is plenty nice, but it looks like a kid's watch, man. These uh, Suntos, the newer Suntos look like like grown ass man, uh, adult uh, jewelry executive uh, stuff. I had to do some presentations at work. I'm an adult. And so I've I wear uh, Suntos as much as I can. And they make an Ultra, which has a longer battery life, and it's touchscreen, but it's black and glossy. And they have some other colors too. The blue is um, a really, really cool looking one. That'd be the other one I'd get. It's that old Volvo racing blue that Volvo likes to use every once in a while. It's a very neat. Uh, all right. That's enough of the sponsor stuff. Let's mention some names. If you donate to the podcast... Then I mention your name, and oh my gosh, we have a little bit of a novel in here. It's pretty cool. Uh, but first, let's say Katie Joe Favia and Peter Salzen and James Godecki and Todd Nelson. What is up, my bro? And Matthew Heinz. What is up, my other bro? Allison Frutos, uh, Kevin Judd threw in a one-time donation that was sizable. It was magnum, and. That was very much appreciated. I put two exclamation points on my own note right there. And MWeb sent in a donation, recurring donation. And we've got an email with a samurai historical novel. <laughs> like I haven't read this in like a week, so I'm going to have to remember what it was. But I'm pulling it up right now. And I remember it being kind of funky. All right. Oh, it's from Kevin Judd. And it says, Banzai. And do I need to count the exclamation points? Let's say it's a lot. Looks like uh, 30 exclamation points. And I guess we're going into story mode here. Hirohito Yokomoshi screamed at the top of his lungs, bonsai, and the thousand samurai of the newly formed cycle regiment launched themselves down the hill, exclamation point, crashing through the long grass at breakneck speed. Pedaling was no longer necessary as they hurtled towards the black, shrouded figures waiting below. Staring up the hill in disbelief at the strange sight, Naruto Takoma felt no fear, just a slight quickening of his pulse. He didn't like being forced to fight out in the open like this, but he and his ninja 
brothers had been pursued, chased down, and caught while returning home from a raid. Those damned bicycling machines cover ground much faster than soldiers on foot, he thought with annoyance. Maybe not all of the emperor's plans for modernization of the imperial army are so crazy after all. Okay, I'm mixing up my uh, accents there. Uh, So be it. And the raid had been successful, and the shogun was dead. Another obstacle removed from his mysterious benefactor's path to power. Naruto. Naruto? Naruto. (laughs) I said with a Texas accent. Naruto knew his part was done. He could meet his fate with a clear conscience. He felt strangely peaceful. The rising sun of what could be his last day on earth was just cresting the hill, over which now thousands of bicycle-mounted samurai were swarming like cacarochas, silhouetted in its glow and blackening the once lush green hillside. A strange sight indeed. Exhaling slowly, he drew his sword, widened his stance, and braced himself against the crushing tsunami of death rushing towards him. End of story. Yo, Coach Brett, hope you liked the story. Just a bit of fun. And my way to say a big thank you for all the advice, tips, and inspiration on the podcast. Thanks to you, I've just survived my first hobby triathlon here in Munich this weekend. Hobby equals sprint distance. But it's open to all comers. Kind of like a fun run. The plan was a 5K uh, swim, half, uh, what? 5K swim, 5K, and bike, 10K. What? Okay, it's all mixed up here. Although my Tom Tom said this. Okay, this is a long email, and we're um, getting towards the end of the show, because I'm going to say this fast. What were my takeaways from this event? I need to learn to swim, preferably in a 50-meter pool. Yep. Uh, 25-yard pool is uh, too short longer pool would be better flagged very badly by the end so he, he was actually doing breaststroke i need to invest in a tri suit running from the pool top of the grassy hole transit situated i quickly located my bike and what body into trainers and figure out how to shirts oh yeah true putting on clothes when you're wet in a race is ridiculously difficult so uh, i swim in my uh, tri top, and then I don't have to put it on. If it's a short swim, then it doesn't really matter. If it's a long swim, a lot of times it's a wetsuit swim, so it doesn't really matter either. And you can just wear your tri suit top under your uh, wetsuit. Okay, number three, I need to read the race description <laughs> and prepare accordingly. Three exclamation points. Uh, oh, wait, the first one was one exclamation point, two. We're now up to three. Is there something going on here? Um, the bike was nearly a disaster. I turned up the venue, turned up at the venue, and they realized I'd left the key to my bike lock back at the house. Holy crap, dude. Uh, the bike was in the boot of my car. What's that to boot? A day to boost, a boot to moose. What's that to boot? Um, let's see, for you non-Euro people, the boot of your car is the trunk. Down here in Texas, uh, where we keep our guns. And, uh, but Lockton, you said no choice but to make a dash. You had to go home and get the key? Oh, no, that sucks, dude. Then he couldn't find it uh, when he got home. <laughs> couldn't find the key. He went back to his car one time. Luckily, found the Finney article tucked down behind the driver's seat. So he had it the entire time. Well, that was ridiculous. I was about to say stupid, but I've done that. That just kind of happens. 
Um, let's see. Finally arriving back at the event, I noticed I was the only person with a road bike? Question mark. This was an uh, then I realized this was an off-road event. Up down the forest trails, Chris Catherine wrongly assumed. Okay, so what'd you do, dude? You rode a road he rode a road bike. Really hard work on the bike. We survived both and finally standing across the finish line. Huge applause and cheering because I was, of course, last. Dude, that's crazy. Hey, you know what? Every time um, I hear Somebody given not really excuse, but I don't think I could do this or whatever. Um, I use stories like this. Uh, oh, I don't have a mountain bike. I say, well, guy did an off-road triathlon on a road bike, and and he finished. So there's your excuse. Shot, shot it in the head. And um, just yesterday, a friend said he didn't think he could bike because his bike didn't have brakes. And I said, well, one, where we're going is flat, so. Use your bottoms of your feet as brakes. It was safe. Don't worry about it. I know what I'm talking about. And then I said, uh, there was a guy that biked all the way from Sweden to the foot of Mount Everest and then climbed Mount Everest and then back down Mount Everest without any oxygen and then biked all the way back from Nepal to Sweden. So if he can do that, then uh, you can ride your bike around the neighborhood, I think. Right? Okay. Let's see. All that said, the leafy trails were beautiful and the great day out. Very friendly people, good organization, a spirit of camaraderie. Very cool. Like-minded souls. I love hearing that. Uh, first place, last place, didn't matter. Everyone had done their best and had a good time. And just for the record, no, I was not last on the run. <laughs> That's good, dude. Thank you so, so much, Brett. Listening to you gave me courage to get up off the couch and have a try. All the best. Keep up the good work. W to the ERK, Kev, Slow Joe Judd. Hey, that's a really nice email, dude. I'm going to save that one. All right. This is what, that's what we can do for you on this podcast. Spiros Fetz is sending a donation. By the way, you can donate on the left side of the page. I mentioned it earlier. Zentrathlon.com. Do it. Okay. Tyler Moyer, Dwayne Morin, Joseph Deber, Joseph Rogalski, Houston Marsh, Matthew Froese, Michael Redagna, Brett, coolest first name in triathlon, Hoyer. Justice Phillips, that's the other coolest first name in triathlon. Daniel Clemens, Karen Jackson. Got a new guy, William Smith. So Will Smith is uh, now into triathlons and listening to um, this podcast. <laughs> and Jonathan Woodman. Okay, that's it for this episode. Going to catch up with you guys. Next episode, my feet are healing up. I'm getting super optimistic. I can feel my mood lifting. I've been running a bunch more. No had pain one day and then realized it was a certain pair of shoes, which is nice because all I got to do is just not wear those shoes. And this weekend, I'm doing a race with Kai where you know, he's 12. And so a, a kid and an adult pair up and whoever's got the fastest time wins. I don't know what we win. I haven't done this race before, but that's part of it. So hopefully uh, we'll do really well with that. It's one way to race with your kid. And I got to run to a scout meeting. I'm an assistant scoutmaster on stuff. And let's see, I think that's it. All right, so that is it for this episode. Lots more. We'll probably have that race, some audio from that race. Got uh, interviews being lined up. I've got um, stuff about Challenge Aruba, looks like it might be. Uh, might be talking about it more on the show. I don't know if I can go or not. But yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. So after the um, outro music, I'm going to, or maybe I'll play it right now. I don't know. I'll figure it out when I put it together, which way sounds better. But 
listen to the end of the show, either right now or after the outro music, for the sound of the San Diego train, which is a nice little closer to this episode, coming back from San Diego back to the Texas. All right, that's it. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. All right, we are at the train crossing in San Diego. Wait, wait. Oh, here goes the train. This, this is the Pacific Coastliner. Alright. Hey, how would you like to become an endurance monster? Get coached for your next big endurance event by yours truly, Coach Brett from Zentri. For only $1.99 a month, I build you a completely custom triathlon training plan using the industry's gold standard training platform. With Training Peaks, you can easily go online, see what your workouts are, then upload your results seamlessly that very same day. Then I build your next training block based on how you've been doing. I review every single workout and provide comments on what I'm seeing that you've done great and where we need to improve. If you want to get faster, better, stronger, and be able to go longer, don't do it alone. Reach out to me and we can work together with my depth of experience and get you to the finish line as fast as possible. Send me an email, texafornia at gmail.com. That's T-E-X-A-F-O-R-N-I-A, texafornia at gmail.com and put coaching in the subject line. See you at the start line. Oh,